Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have with me a very special, special guest, Jake Fredendall. Jake, how are you today? Doing great, Mr. Cool. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, for our audience, the reason why I say Jake is a special, special guest is because I totally had a corrupt file um, from our last interview, so we are actually doing this for the second time. Um, it was a while ago, a little, probably about a month and a half ago, um, but... For us, it'll be interesting to go over some of these questions, and I have a couple of um, different follow-up questions. So for us, it'll be almost like a meta experience, Jake, so it'll be kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) But Jake, we'll go with that first question there. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? Kind of all over the place. So I I have this kind of like philosophy on writing is kind of write what you want when you want. I I tend to get earworms when I'm writing, and I can't get it out of my mind that like oh I got to work on this right now or I got to work on that right now and no matter how hard I try to focus on whatever my current project is if I got something in my mind going it's like I got to switch over to that so um, that's one of the reasons why it took me so long I guess to uh, get my first novel sort of going and then published eventually so I actually I think it was about six years um I spent writing my first novel. It was right out of college. So um, I was working as a microbiologist and I just sort of needed something to like some sort of creative outlet, I guess. And it was between Dungeons and Dragons campaigns and I just needed something to fill my time with. So um, I picked up writing and it kind of took me forever because I was... um, like I said, kind of switching back and forth between all these different projects and ideas I had. And so, yeah, I mean, after uh, after I got it to the point where it was ready to, like, done and ready to be read, there was the uh, classic begging all my friends to read it um, for a few years. And then eventually I managed to get a couple people interested in kind of being alpha readers for me to sort of help me with content. Um and then, yeah, everything, once it kind of was ready, it it all sort of started to happen really fast. It was a couple months, you know, in the making and, you know, it went to an editor, got art. And then I just one day was like, yeah, it's ready. Let's hit that button. And uh, so that's about it. I mean, I'm pretty fresh here. So. <laughs> so one question that I have that I can't believe I didn't ask this last time, um, as a microbiologist and like your experience, like when you're studying that kind of subject, do you think that's why you have such a cool creature like the one behind you? Like, do you think that has helped your creature making abilities, if you will, to have more unique world building, um, you know, with the life that's in your world? Yeah, so I, I like to say, and I mean, maybe maybe it's not as much as I want to be, but um, I like to say that I can blend kind of like logics, logic and, uh, you know, like creativity together. Um, you know, I studied, it wasn't microbiology I studied in college. It was biomed. So I did, I did quite a bit of biology classes, mm-hmm. uh, something like 80 credits or some ridiculous number mm-hmm. of that. So, um, yeah, I would, I would say it, it probably, uh, you know, gave me a lot of inspiration, different ideas when studying anatomy. Um, but I like to think, I like to, you know, when I'm feeling really high on myself, I like to say <laughs> that I'm. I'm smart and creative, so I can blend them together. But then, you know, other days, maybe not so much. 
<laughs> I think we're all there in some days. Yeah, I'm just curious with that one because, you know, like I, I think as a history teacher, like people ask me all the time and, you know, they're, they're like, does that help you? And I'm like, well, I think it does, you know, particularly with fantasy because I love ancient history, study more of that, you know, and um, looking at the trends, looking at how things have changed, looking at conflict, I guess, or enduring issues, you know, within history and right. social studies. Um, I think it's it has helped me at least, you know, to come up with what I think are real and meaningful conflicts that people can relate to. So yeah, I was just curious because when you have such a unique cover there and such a unique, you know, like, like creature, like monster, um, you know, see, so yeah, I just was curious so you know, if that helped. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think so. It's, um, you know, science in general, I think is all about logical thinking, um, you know, so when it comes to uh, like the creation of different living creatures, it, it ends up being a lot of like, oh, that's stupid, throw it out. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Like <laughs> scrap that idea and start over. So it is it is a, a curse too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, you know, having like a profession or a, um, like an area of expertise, regardless of what it is, can kind of like help you to develop ideas. Like you said, with history, you have a lot of ideas from what you've learned and like ways to uh, incorporate that into your worlds, which, I mean, you can do that with a lot of different subjects. If yeah, you have an sure. idea of chemistry, you might be able to explain, you know, certain interactions of, if you want to show cool explosions or magical interactions or whatever. Um, so, yeah. I like how you said that though, mentioned like the curse of knowledge, like, <laughs> like I could definitely see where you, you, you know, I've, I've thought of that before because I think I'm more of a a literal creature creator where, you know, I will look up things and I do, I like, you know, even like fantastical things. I do like, you know, there to be some sort of semblance, uh, particularly my sci-fi, you know, of real life, if you will. So I do like to think like, you know, would this type of creature be possible in this area? Uh, right. which was my one short story, for instance, where like, I want to see what happens. Like, I'm curious to see how we would evolve if we were underground for like 2000 years, let's say. Right. Um, and the science that people came, like were talking about, I'm like, oh my God, it was so cool. Mm. Um, but I think at times, you know, it became a little bit of a burden, which is why I kind of put it away. Cause I'm like, okay, I need to find more of a, this is scientific and a reasoning, but at the same time, you know, I have to come up with some sort of fantastical element you know and right. kind of find the blend together so I could definitely see you know where I've had that happen where the curse of knowledge you know has kind of hampered my writing ability if you will so I think that makes total sense yeah and sometimes you got to just you know make your brain shut up and just be like yeah I mean that's how it is and like you don't necessarily need to explain it you know like why did it why is the people who live under underground for 2,000 years why is their skin not like super pale or super gray or whatever you know you just have to yeah, be like yeah. You don't know. I mean, you're looking at a fantasy world. You don't know everything. That's true. Yeah. And well, even the people there might not know. Right. Like I just talked with, uh, um, oh, I think it was Lucy McLaren and, you know, we had talked about world building and she's like, now everybody in my world knows everything about my world. And I said, I think that's one of my pet peeves is when you get somebody who, you know, you know, like it's one thing when someone like Han Solo, right. Helps you go to that world and, you know, kind of infiltrates that one world, but you know, Leia, provides a whole different aspect, you know, right. um, say Lando too, you know, and I just think it's interesting when people don't do that. And they, I think they make the mistake of that one person, you know, knows everything, you know, yeah. not everybody can be Gandalf or, you know, or Lorraine or whoever, you know, so yeah, it gets kind of interesting to think about it. But. Yeah, for sure. 
that that'd be a really good t-shirt by the way of like you like you i just picture like jake you know cartoon jake telling his brain stop it or like <laughs> brain you know and being like now it's time to write or something maybe and that's like, not a shirt i'd wear in public but yeah yeah but every writer just was like yes i get that right absolutely <laughs> yep. over designing definitely yeah exactly definitely over analyzing uh yep. so for the second one there what genre do you currently write in and how did you decide um so my one true love has always been epic fantasy you know i uh it started really young i got into like the elder scrolls games mm. back when the xbox 360 had just come out and dragon age um you know, drawing a blank on all the all the great different fantasy games, but I remember I I played way more games than I ever should have, and uh, <laughs> I'll never tell my mom that I always disobeyed her one hour rule one way or another. Um, but no, it's it's kind of been a fascination of mine. It always was, you know, world building, and then obviously movies, you know, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Star Wars and all that stuff just got me kind of hooked into this this endless cycle of uh, needing new worlds and um, magic and fantastic elements. Um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons really filled that kind of that void for me when I hit high school and kind of ran out of cool stuff to do. So once I started seeing kind of the possibilities of the Dungeons and Dragons, and then I became a game master, obviously, and um, started running all these campaigns, it was just, it was just like, like the possibilities, man, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we also at the time too, like, you know, we had so many, like, not just even just, you know, D&D setting itself. I mean, you had Forgotten Realms, you had so much source material, you had, you know, fourth edition, I feel like they're Eberron. I mean, I just feel like you had so many, you had Pathfinder, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of homebrewing, which I think was a lot different with the internet than, you know, yeah. had previously. So yeah, like Starfinder, you know, really became big, you know, a lot of different things, I think, helped fill, you know, help, help to keep your imagination going. But, right. Yeah. And then once again, it was just kind of, I started world building, you know, doing homebrew stuff myself. And I started realizing like, oh, I don't need to make every campaign like Elder Scrolls or something, you know, like you can draw. Eventually you're coming up with your own stuff, but you know, when you're young, you're basically just ripping off other material and yeah. even that is fun you know like some of my fondest memories are sitting in the basement you know when I was 17 years old drinking Mountain Dew and eating chips with friends yeah. and like don't even remember what we were playing with you know yeah. it was just it was just the uh the company you know yeah yeah I do remember that like my buddies and I we I loved where they had four player for PlayStation 2 Champions of Norath uh one and two and yep. Yeah, so we would do the, the Mountain Dew would come out, and everybody <laughs> knew you were in getting any sleep, you know, Friday night. You know, yeah. we did it back to back. You know, we wanted to get the campaign done or whatever, you know, checkpoint we were getting done. Yeah, it was it was going down. So yep. did you ever play the DD, the Dungeons and Dragons Xbox game that they had for the original Xbox? It was four player. It was amazing. That might have been a little before my time. I probably yeah. Yeah. So like Xbox, like the original Xbox was really big when I was probably, I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. But I had a GameCube, so I was playing a lot of like Ooh. Smash Bros and Mario stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was always cool. trying to get the other consoles. My parents were like, go outside. So I, 
I didn't spend as much time as I'd like to of uh, playing video games when I was younger, but yeah. Yeah. If you ever have an opportunity, like if they do it as like a downloadable content or something for Xbox, right. I I recommend to you or anybody, the, the world building, the amount of different races, the classes, the, the skill building system was absolutely amazing. It, it was like, like it was a D and D nerds fantasy game. I mean, they made it for the fans. It was right. to this day, other than Diablo two with the expansion, I would say it had to be my favorite game of all time, like back to back. I mean, it was absolutely amazing, but, but, you know, same thing though, you know, it was like, I was always thinking, I always use that campaign in particular in my mind and the places that they went, you know, and I think that's why I'm still addicted to the desert settings, mm. uh, that amazing desert setting. Diablo 2 did too, of course, you know, and Act 2 and stuff. Right. But yeah, yeah. The, we, we were, I feel like we were lucky though. There's, you know, two really good deck, really three, four decades, you know, back to back to back where if you really look at, you know, gaming consoles themselves, right, or PC, I mean, you mentioned, you know, with Bethesda, you know, and, you know, uh, Marwa and then Oblivion, Skyrim, you know, with the Elder Scrolls. I mean, just some of the best world building that you could possibly imagine. Some of the coolest quests that, you know, I think I've ever been on. So, yeah, that's really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of in a, even now we're still kind of in a, in like a fantasy boom almost. There's really more is, TV yeah. shows and movies coming out than ever. I mean, the, there are some, some aspects of video games are maybe a little lacking, but I mean, I'm playing the newest God of War and it's just like, it's incredible, you know? Yeah, yeah. My friend uh, Steve McHugh just uh, started that, like, I think it was like two weeks ago. And he said that was had to be one of the best games he's played within the last like 10 years. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. I definitely wanted to still play like Assassin's Creed um, Ragnarok or whatever, yeah. or Valhalla or whatever. Like, Valhalla, yeah. Main character, yeah, that main character just to me, just like he gives me so many writing ideas. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I just want to take that character and, like, you know. It's actually, it's interesting you mentioned that. I had a, at a D&D uh, session, I think it was last weekend, and it was part, I was kind of using like that inspiration of like the, like Viking for like a, a baron of a city and whatever, and oh. I had the players do a flighting competition with them, which is like, um, in the game you do it, it's, it's like rhyming, it's like poetry plus epic rap battles of history. Uh, I love those. Those are awesome. So you're trying to, you're basically insulting the other person (laughs) over a lot of alcohol with, uh, by, but, but doing it poetically, right? Like writing a poem and then insulting them with it. So that was, it's interesting you bring that up because I just did that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Jake, but if you are not recording your sessions and then using things like that in your next book, I'm going to be so disappointed, man. Like (laughs) I want to read that now. I want to read that now, Jake. Like that sounds amazing. That sounds so funny to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah, that is hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's funny that, you, you know, you, I mean, that is a good point though. You know, like I think some people they're like, oh, I don't know what to write. And I'm like, I just don't have that problem. I'm like, and you, I, I'm, I'm going to credit you with being the earworm in my earworm because yeah. since our last uh, talk, I was like, I don't know. I, I finished something and then I was like trying to go and fix a couple things. I was trying to do nano, Raymond kind of had a crazy November and especially with the baby coming. And I was like, I just, I couldn't focus on any one thing. And I was like, well, one of the authors I just talked to was like, Oh, I go here. And I'm like, I'm going to go back to that. Cause I'm like, at least I'll get, you know, a few things done, you know, right. before my son gets here. So I'm going to credit you with having um, figured out you saying that helped me get an earworm. And I actually figured out 
all the remaining problems for my first fantasy novel for its draft two. So right. I was trying to figure out who had said the earworm to me. So it was definitely <laughs> you. So I'm going to credit you with that. So thank you Perfect. so much for letting me feel like it was okay to go from project to project when I was having trouble focusing. Um, well, you're yeah. most welcome. <laughs> we'll credit you in a thief's ambition. All right. Don't worry. We got a huge list going so far. So excellent. Well, that's really cool. I'm I'm always jealous now whenever you're talking about your your game, your you know, your game situation. Like they just sound so cool. So yeah. ours is about to take a little hiatus because my son's here. I'm like, oh. So we're I think we're gonna play Warhammer online. Um oh, yeah. he's gonna run it on roll 20. And I've never played the fantasy version when we played like the you know the the sci-fi one or the the other one so yeah it's be interesting but yeah that um, is interesting i've never done that either i gotta say you know i was thinking to you i i thought this when we were going through i was like okay i'll try it but like as you're setting up and i i recommend our audience too like you know old school fantasy warhammer um yeah like just there's you know obviously there's so many omnibuses and stuff there's so many characters and places they've gone now but um yeah we were going over it it's a lot different than you know, the other systems, D&D, Pathfinder and stuff. But yeah, it was um, super, super cool. And I'm like, we got to play this game now. My friend's moving. So I'm hoping that we just end up doing it online. But definitely something that I think a lot of people will be interested in. So yeah, it was really cool. We're going to try and um, record a couple of our sessions uh, just to kind of put on the channel just so people can see. But well, there yeah. you go. I mean, you can always just stream it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, highly recommend it. It's, it was pretty cool just setting it up. So I'm pretty excited to play it. But yeah. Uh, so I'm even more interested than I was before because um, I did actually just get your Journey to the Cosmos downloaded to my Kindle. I got to finish like two books and then I'm all set to review it. Uh, so what is your book Journey into the Cosmos about and how did you come up with this idea? So um, this was actually a campaign I ran uh, just when I was starting college. It was kind of a mishmash of like different friends and random people. Some of them hadn't really even met before. Um, and I remember I was working a warehouse job at the time and I was sitting in the warehouse all alone the day before the session. And I kind of thought I had what I was going to do for the day. Um, when I got home, we were doing, and I, I kind of expected to be like a pickup session, you know, where you play that day and then it's over and you don't do it again. But, um, I kind of came up with this idea, like, wouldn't that be cool to like, there's no like overarching theme. You're just like explorers, right? You come to this new land, new world, new whatever. And your only job is basically to walk around and see shit. Um, and so that's kind of where the idea started. And I was like, well, where could I go with that? I mean, we're talking about a fantasy world with magic and um, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, originally it was like, well, it's a, a new continent, you know, like people sailed across the ocean. And then I was thinking like, we could even go more fantastic than that. It could be extra planar right and then i was like but people have explored the planes i mean all my players have seen the planes we've been playing for a long time at that time so i decided to go somewhere i hadn't before which was obviously has been done um, but just not in my campaigns which was go to the multiverse mm -hmm. and kind of take this idea of there are other realms out there that you know people don't know of and so my my players kind of they they were sent on this journey. They were supposed to be explorers um, working for this crazy kooky old wizard. And he was basically just commissioning them to go there and take notes. And what I kind of came up with was this is an assortment of planes 
somewhat like your own, you know, where there's like a material plane where all the normal races live. And then there's these other wacky planes and they're not like what you expect, you know, in D and D you have the fire plane, the water plane, you have Celestia, you have the hells. Um, so I kind of came up with a whole different planar arrangement. Um, you know, all really rough stuff in my head, I guess, just sort of like, oh, there could be a plane like this. There could be a plane like that kind of just like random stuff. Um, and then when the, when the campaign started, it was, it kind of just took off so well. And I had a lot of good role players in it. And a lot of people came into the, into the game with really cool character ideas and they just role played the hell out of it. And when we were done with our first session, we were so excited to play again. We played again. I think the next day people drove down again and we kept going. Oh, wow. And that campaign lasted about three years, I think, um, until we eventually, it kind of, it kind of faded out with other, everyone having different plans and different things going yeah. on. Um, but the idea always stuck with me. And so the, that comes there, that's where the book comes in. Right. So a D and D campaign isn't a great, uh, way to have a book, right? Because you have these four characters. No one's a main character. Everyone has to be, have their own stories. So I focused in on what I thought was the most, you know, more compelling story, which was there's this young, naive mage who's really book smart on the run. And he comes down to this place, basically desperately seeking kind of like fame, fortune, um, you know, and, and honestly, a way to get, you know, the people hunting him off his back. And then that's where he was exposed to this idea by this crazy wizard. I always love to keep those in, you know, nice tropes. Um, and the wizard sent him off to this, this uh, random universe, basically, where they plane traveled around. And, um, you know, the friends they make along the way are great. Everything's fun and, and kind of very dangerous, uh, very alien. And then sort of when when it comes time to come back that's where they start to have these like oh this this organization that's hunting the main character raz is actually already established they have like a base out on this other world this other universe which is um really bizarre to them so it, that's kind of where the main storyline starts to kind of develop and then they have this like aha realization like there's something sinister going on here um and yeah, so that's, I guess that's the, uh, the very long pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a couple of things came to mind. So um, when you were explaining this, so I'm just curious with these new worlds, um, do you have, like, do, do things change? Like, do the physics change? Does the magic change? Does anybody's powers change? Because I know for me, at least, like, for my fantasy setting, like a lot of the powers that the druids get come from the planet itself. Right. and magic from the planet so i'm i'm always thinking like and almost for me if they went somewhere else probably it's probably something i should think about now that you mentioned it um now you got me thinking like maybe it's like a you know like a krypton krypton sort of thing like i don't know if they would be able to do that stuff somewhere else so i was just curious like if your characters you know if those kind of things were the same or if they had to deal with those types of problems yeah so i i um a couple of the planes they visit, they end up uh, having some problems with um, different gravity, right? So gravity working in, in odd ways, being oh, stronger cool. or weaker. Um, 
not sucking them to the floor, um, things like that. But otherwise, you know, it's interesting you mentioned a druid. So a druid is a supporting character in this in this cast. And he finds himself having difficulty kind of sensing where his power comes from when he wanders about some of these planes, um, particularly the ones that have been, you know, are kind of lifeless voids. They come to a few planes that are like something they've never seen before, right? Like yeah. they can't, there's, they can't even imagine something living here. And, and the Druid's like throwing up because he's so out of connection with basically what he always was in connection with. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. So I have like, I developed like a magic system for the secondary sort of universe that the characters explore. Um, And you get kind of like a a tidbit of it sort of basically talking about like the magic system works where it depends on like the time of day you were born. So if you were born at night, you have these kinds of powers. If you're a mage and if you're born during the day, you have these kinds of powers. And then um, there are some other differentiators like that. Like, Oh, if you're born at twilight, you know, but, but other than that, I mean, I'm trying to think, I think there's about four chapters where they spend kind of exploring the multiverse. So it's, there's a little bit of that, um, but a lot of it's focused on like, oh shit, we're dying, you know? (laughs) I just, I just think like that, that would be just such a good, that's a really unique situation, which is really cool. I think on your part to, you know, give us the reader the ability to see you know, cause you get your typical druid, right. But then you're really putting them in a situation that like, I don't think they're going to see, or the reader at least isn't going to see very often. Right. Um, which to me is really cool. And that really gets me and my, which is why I love to read personally fantasy. Cause I love to write fantasy. And to me, that really gives me a lot of ideas for character conflicts or character situation. And I always think of like Robert Downey Jr. What was it like? Iron Man three or whatever, we didn't have the suit around for most of the time. And he had to like figure it out. Like, I don't know. Like everybody always talks about that movie. I actually really liked it. I, (laughs) I thought we, I thought it gave us, you know, a new, wasn't your typical superhero movie, you know, but we still got the superhero part. And I don't know. I felt it it was compelling because we got to know Tony more as a person and a character and got to see him kind of clean up his crap, you know, that he just threw around for, you know, for decades before this. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. That drew it. It just, it seems, it seems like really cool. And I'd be wondering and want to keep reading to figure out, you know, and follow along with those characters, figure out, you know, how they solve that problem. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned Iron Man three. So I think, I think it was a bad movie, uh, but I always remember the scene where like Tony Stark goes to like the Ace hardware and picks up a bunch of stuff and then builds all these cool <laughs> little gadgets and sneaks into the place with like, like uh like ornaments filled with like shrapnel and stuff. Like I, I think that scene is actually really, really good. Yeah, really yeah. cool for character development. But other than that, like, man, I could talk for an hour about that movie. Like he just blows <laughs> up all the suits. Like, come on. We yeah, know he's yeah. going to need those. Well, one of these days we're going to have to just do the, I just, I just, I think, cause I think it's so funny because, you know, I just was talking to one of my friends about this and, you know, she's like, well, she has a very decisive, I guess, like, outcome for a character in her book mm-hmm. and it's 50 50 and it comes like three-fourths of the way you know right around the climax and people either love the book and finish it or hate it and stop what she did with that character that's pretty much where she's at and her and I got to talk and I'm like I would love to find like I'm gonna have to write that down 
uh, Iron Man 3. Maybe we have to debate why you think it wasn't good and why I think it was very good. Because I just want to point out to people that, you know, like uh, Sadir, for instance, Samir, um, I'm st- I was starting up with his uh, book, The Crew, and uh, it just came out. So somebody gave it a one star and I'm like reading through and I'm like, this is hilarious. You know, I'm like, this is like my kind of book. And right. you know, I talked to, with a lot of authors recently, you know, about that, you know, it's like, you know, that difference between between readers, you know, like somebody might read your book and really enjoy it. Somebody might not. And I think it's, you know, it's don't get hung up on that kind of thing. So I think, you know, Iron Man 3 is a really good example, you know, like, you don't like it. I really like it. You know, yeah. I'm like, I just, I think it goes to show, right. That, you know, it's probably going to be the same with some of our, you know, some of our work, you know, but it doesn't matter. You know, I should keep going for, you know, those audiences that do really enjoy your work, but yeah, I don't know. Just, I mean, you could be wrong cool. about Iron Man. That's cool. Yeah, that's fair. I probably, am. I probably am. Probably am. There was something else that came out recently and I was like, God, I hated this. And everybody's like, I loved it. I'm like, I couldn't even finish. Uh, yeah. And then my friend goes, well, I can't remember that one we were talking about, but when we were talking the other day, he goes, well, Eternals was bad. We both agreed. Like we did not like Eternals. Yeah. Everyone uh, so- can agree on Eternals. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. He He's in your camp. He does not like Iron Man 3, like at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always tease each other about not having taste. Um, but yeah, uh, what was the other one? I had? Oh, so you said um, you have a little bit different. Uh, so like, so your magic system, you said, was when they go out into the multiverse, which is a little bit different than where is that where we have like the light or dark horn magic? Yeah, so that's basically like when they're exploring this other universe, they come across people who use magic in a different way. And the main character's like, Oh, really confused like ask questions about it basically and it's um i tried to include it just to make sure that it kind of felt a little flushed out um like their magic doesn't change you know like i'm not like things don't get wonky in that way um though that's not a bad idea that'd be an interesting idea um, <laughs> but no yeah so they like their the magic system remains steady for the characters who go out into this uh random universe thing it, 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 I just think it as a, as a social studies teacher, because I had a, another social studies teacher who's an author who I interviewed about a month ago, um, shortly after our first one, and he made a good point. He's like, well, cultural diffusion, you know, like, what would happen if your mage went out into the multiverse and saw this different magic system, asked questions, learned about it, what would he be able to come back and then do or change about the way he does magic? So I was just curious because I think that that's a really interesting writing question, um, you know, that I kind of want to explore now, you know, and I, I think it's an interesting way for different people to see different people's magic system or, right. you know, and yeah, I don't know, I just, I kind of find it, it's almost like a Stephen Erickson type of solution, you know, because he's got all these different, um, different magic, he basically has a lot of different magic systems going on at once. Um, so I just think that, and he always brings up really interesting points. Um, with how people use the different magic systems so right that, that could even be a you know a whole book in and of itself like a mage trying really to learn good. the other magic system and then yeah you know, comes back and can use both types i guess that'd be weird yeah 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 it almost reminds me of like will white's cradle where you know in uh the main character's little realm and then other things happen and he gets different ideas and i'm like about halfway through the series but i want to spoil it but, you know, it, I, it, it brings up interesting character concepts, I think, right. and character development. So, 
yeah so that's that's a really cool uh idea there um let's see so for that fourth one so how did you go about your world building and what would you change in the future i'm curious as a dm what you decided to keep and what you decided to throw away and maybe what you decided you had to improve upon for the book because like you said it was a lot different so yeah i mean so when i started it was um the whole project was just for me it was always like when i started it was always like I might share this with the people who are in the campaign. Um, it's just something that I want to be able to look at and read because, you know, I'd been kind of quasi writing for years and always, always thought it was fun to kind of come back over the stuff I had written and just read it and be like, yeah, that was terrible. But it's also kind of like cool remembering the thoughts in the brain mind. Uh, but um, it's, man, I lost my train of thought there. Um, Okay. <laughs> returning, returning to the world. So, um, yeah, so basically it started as like, I'm going to use any, everything that basically D and D taught me, and I'm going to put this stuff down as it happened in the campaign. And well, that turned out to be, uh, probably about 600 pages, wow. uh, just Whoa. absolute <laughs> nonsensical ramblings of, um, all the different random things that happen. Cause you know, a campaign lasts years and yeah, yeah, you know, every session could, could be a whole chapter. And so at some point I was like, okay, I really like this. Like, this is fun. So um, I started cutting and I started cutting and, and at some point I had to kind of start deciding like, all right, I think I might actually just publish this. It'd be kind of fun. And then that's when I started paring down, you know, oh, he casts magic missile, you know, and um, had to start kind of coming up with my own ideas. So there were some things that definitely remained, you know, like kind of the, the core structure of the magic system is fairly straightforward. If you have seen a lot of fantasy or played Dungeons and Dragons, you kind of understand you have the, the, the trichotomy of like, there's natural magic, there's holy magic, and then there's arcane magic. Um, but then, you know, I tried to create some distinctions within um, those as well to sort of flesh it out a little bit more. So, for example, you know, my my main character is he doesn't use a spell book. Right. So that would be classically defined as a sorcerer. Um, I kind of took it towards more of like the wild magic sort of route mm -hmm. where, um, you know, this magic comes to him and he doesn't exactly know he doesn't always know what's going to happen when he begins to cast a spell. Um, but like he knows that it's dangerous basically. And so that, that creates a lot of conflict for him. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's the, the nature magic and I tried to create it a lot more. It's a lot more intuitive and a lot less like, Oh, in the morning I wake up and I prepare these seven spells and then I can cast these seven spells and power them up and whatever. And it's, it's a lot more like, he feels what he needs to do. And then he just sort of like moves his hands and says some weird words and like magic happens. And he doesn't like, he's more of a conduit for the magic coming out of him and he can't really explain why or how it's happening. Um, so I, I kind of tried to, to really take like a, a bit of a spin on sort of like already understood concepts. And um, while we're jumping around, all over the place here that's that's maybe something that in future projects i might like to work on a little bit is 
find a way to create a really unique, interesting, compelling magic system that's like all my own, right? Um, because I made the conscious decision to kind of keep the magic system a little more um, understandable, basic, I guess, to some degrees, because I knew this was my first novel um, and then subsequent series. I really wanted it to be, I wanted to be able to focus on the characters, the plot, the world building, and then not have to worry too much about the complexities of this magic system. Yeah. Um, and then what could I do better? What could I improve? I think I covered it all, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really well. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, follow up. <laughs> I have to say the way that you explain nature magic there should be really used to explain it further for most people because I feel like you did a really good job, which makes more sense to right. me, which I believe is more of the 5e or what they're trying to go with the new play test right. and doing, particularly with Druid, because we were just talking about this the other day, and my buddy and I, um, you know, Saturday, and we were discussing, you know, like how the Ranger and Druid feel so close together. And really, I I always in my own fantasy world and game setting, I always change those things a bit to make the Ranger more of a roguish scout you know who can do yeah. some interesting ranger things rather yeah. than just a druid with a bow and so i think you you really explained it really well i think the the wild magic to me seems really cool and i like how you said that like the druid just kind of is a conduit and just kind of knows what's going on to me which makes more sense from a, right. you know from that class or standpoint and it, it makes i think it makes the druid for yourself and your book more unique uh, yeah. I think that's really cool. It'd be really cool, I think, just saying. Um, I think you've just set yourself up so well with world building where, you know, you could literally, like, I'm thinking, like, what if they went to one realm, tick somebody off, and then they had to go back to it later? You know, I mean, you're just like setting, you just could very easily set up so much conflict for the same group of characters or somebody else later that they have to deal with. I just yeah. think you set yourself up so great for whatever you want to do. You know, if you did want right. to continue in this universe, you could literally start anywhere. Right. You know? And I think that that's genius. Then you would have characters, you know, like um, this Will Mage, for instance, or the Druid, even whoever, you know, uh, whoever survives. Um, you know, I think that you would, you could set them up for, you know, those older characters later on. Or right. you know, I, just, I think you set yourself up really well for a great multifaceted, fantasy you know world essentially or multiverse if you will it's more right. of a multiverse you yeah. are the next marvel you know jake like that's basically what you did you got your own mcu here which is pretty cool we'll call Oops, it J uh, J jcu <laughs> work, work the jake company. cinematic universe i like that yep. i like that a lot man i'm getting a lot of t-shirts made today let me tell you <laughs> all right there you go i'll make sure to send you one once i get them uh, get all the merch done Oh yeah. I cannot wait. I cannot wait because that's what we're talking about doing. Um, cause we have this one thing and if it works at the three comic cons we're going to in the late spring, early summer, um, then next fall for season three, we'll be able to have paid for all the podcast t-shirts to send all of our alum like yourself. So uh, Sick. we're really hoping that, yeah, we're really hoping that we can do that. That's like one of our really, really, really big goals. 
um, after everything else. So we would love to do like a Patreon and stuff starting next fall to to be able to do that sort of thing. So every time, you know, you come on or whatever, we'll throw some swag at you. Give oh, you yeah. a nice coffee mug with, you know, our logo <laughs> or something. But, yeah, that's really cool. Sweet. All right. Well, I, I love your world building personally. I'm really, really excited. I have, um, you know, your book um, downloaded. I have it in my queue, ready to go. I've been so slow reading since I saw you last. It's been ridiculous, but yeah. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm thinking once the baby's here, I get all this other junk done. I figure he's got to sleep at some point. I right. got a and I'm more used to it now. So hopefully I'll be flipping through them back, but I'm sure uh, you'll get some sweet parental leave too yeah it's we're doing like three weeks because then we have like uh we got the break before and then we get a break for february break after so yeah it's it's not too bad we're not going anywhere this year like for you know different breaks we're just staying here so instead of traveling you know and then getting all tired and stuff it's just going to be like me the baby and the kindle and i'm going to try to read out loud so you know we get him hooked on fantasy right away and yeah for sure uh, (laughs) yeah he'll grow up being like Am I a will mage? <laughs> like, <am I laughs> universe? like, what part of the, the JCU? Yeah. Stop really- talking about the JCU. It's never going to happen. Okay. But <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, people have said that before about their stuff. And then, you know, 10 years later, I don't think George R.R. R. Martin, you know, when he was our, either of our ages, right? Like, really thought, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. I think a lot of people forget how old he actually was once, you know, Game of Thrones, his book came out and started doing well, you know, let alone the TV show. So, I still right. have hope for both of us. So yeah, there we go. Yeah. There's <laughs> definitely still time to be, uh, you know, to make it big, you know, exactly. Yeah, Keep yeah, telling yeah. yourself that Mr. Cool. I, I tell myself that all the time. My kids always <laughs> ask me, they're like, what happens if you don't make it big? I said, I'll just write another book. And they're like, but why would you keep writing books if nobody likes it? I said, no, I said, there's gonna be one person <laughs> that likes each book. I was like, I'll just write another one. I'll just write another one. And they're like amazed that that's just like my thing. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was like once I'm doing my black belt in karate, I'm going to go back to judo and jujitsu and get my black belts there. Like, what are you going to do once you're there? I was like, I'll probably get one in Hapkido or something. I was like, I don't know. Or Jeet Je Kune Do, get a black sash. I'm like, yeah, just, just keep going, you know? They have, they're like, oh, that's so interesting. You just keep writing books, even if nobody likes them. I'm like, well, you got to get one eventually that people like. So. I like them. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm like, I enjoy writing them. So I really don't care. So that's what I always say to people when they tell me I'm not funny. And it's like, I'm not in this world to entertain you. All right. I'm just, I'm just laughing. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. 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 I you're need the, to make me laugh, not you. Yeah. You're the only one you have to entertain. So I feel like right. that is, that's totally fair. hundred percent. There's another t-shirt today. Uh, so for number five, uh, what is a will mage and how did you come up with your magic system? All right. So we kind of talked about the magic system a little, a little bit. bit. Um, there's the skeleton of Dungeons and Dragons with, um, a little bit of, you know, like adding in, taking out where I saw fit. Um, will magic is essentially the more emotive form of spell casting in my world. So there is the, like, you can go to a school and learn how to inscribe magical runes into books and then recite those runes to create magic. And that's more of sort of like your, like Dr. Strange-esque sort of way to do magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the will mage and the will mage is basically doesn't really know the source of the magic. It just kind of happens. And they're the lucky ones that don't need to go to school to learn how to do it. Um, but as I described earlier, it can be a little bit more dangerous for themselves and those around them, which actually is kind of the, the beginning of like the major conflict in the book mm. is that um, the main character, he's on the run because he actually killed somebody 
with his um like magic he was trying to do something and it just all blew up in his face and uh oh, yeah, wow. he murdered a little boy and he was basically like you know has to re reevaluate his life essentially um so that's kind of that's nice you don't have to learn how to do it but it's also a lot more dangerous because it can just you know if you're really emotional or if you're trying to do something that you're not ready to do it can just kill you or something you know wow so you would say then for the wild magic like for the will mage with it being a wild magic system that you really don't have control over the power level so to speak like you might be trying to cast a level one light a candle but you could cast a level five fireball on accident like yeah so sometimes i try not to do that too much i, I didn't want you know i wanted it to feel like the challenges that they were fighting were kind of like equal to what they were uh able to deal with um but yeah there are definitely some moments where you know he tries to do one thing and something else happens and it's sometimes way better and sometimes way worse than what he was anticipating um you know i one of my one of my favorite examples of this is at some point he tries to like shield himself from damage uh but instead he creates a uh a steak dinner and it just like <laughs> clatters to the ground and he's like well that sucked you know um but but yeah i kind of tried to make it so that you know most of the time you know if you you can kind of keep control of it um, but during particularly stressful times, you know, near death experiences, random things can happen from time to time. And that can be uh, quite dangerous, um, but also adds a, a level of like kind of wow, I guess, to the magic, because it's not always exactly what the reader is expecting. Like, yeah. you know, the the main character is a very analytical character and he's like, you know, I'm going to like you basically see it through he's it's a first person novel so you it's he it's from his eyes and so he oh i try to do this and then you know while i do this i feel the magic surge in this way and it kind of this happens and you know um so you're not exactly always knowing what's going to happen i guess when he tries to um reach out for magic that's smart that's a good page turner there like you have to like keep going to see how he helps get himself and everybody else out of trouble. I feel like, yeah, that, that expectation of something interesting happening, happening, I think would be really cool. Right. Keep me enthralled and want to be like, okay, well, how's going to get out of this one? Like, right. he's going to be, he wants to steak dinner now because he's hungry. <laughs> he's just going to make himself like stone skin and not be able to eat anything for the next 24 hours. Like, that'd be like an interesting, um, there'd be inter a lot of interesting questions would pop up into my mind. And that to me, that sounds way more effective for putting an awe to the magic um right. in the magic system because i always think of um brandon sanderson's explanation for um the hard versus soft magic where really like you know gandalf's in between you know like he's more of a soft magic or whatever he uses but yet you know we know that the ring is a hard magic system we know what it does and right i always, I always liked his explanation for gandalf and that magic system is you know it adds wonder and awe to the world so i think you you know channeled that really well with just that right. one little detail so well that's one of the things too i think a lot of like authors and storytellers in general have kind of discovered is that you know there are it's about trying to channel this like it's not about like oh did you pick a hard or a soft magic system it's like you have to find a way to basically be like there are rules these are how these rules work and here's the wonder and awe that magic can create. Because if, if you're using magic and it doesn't create awe, then it doesn't, like, why do you even have magic? 
yeah you might as well be like historical fiction or something in a different place yeah right or just even a fantasy world that doesn't really have magic like yeah, exactly. game of thrones for example like if your character is just just going to be like oh i create a little ball of fire and throw it at someone like they might as well just have a sword or a bow or whatever you know so yeah you kind of have to balance it i feel like yeah yeah no that makes total sense yeah i think at times like it might yeah i, I yeah, it's a good point. I always think of that because I'm like, I do like Brandon Sanderson's, you know, like the hard systems and stuff. But at the same time, you know, I do go into like, I'm going to reference like H.M. Long's Hall of Smoke, for instance, like, which it's a pretty hard magic system. But then she like ends up inserting some, a lot of really interesting, awe-inspiring moments where they help character development and you're not entirely sure how the magic system Right. works for some of the higher beings right. and then one of her main character goes about this journey and you're like oh there's no way that x y and z is going to happen and it I, it just made it so interesting and because you didn't know how the magic was going to work you didn't know if this person was going to die or if they were going to survive or whatever i mean it really really like had me enthralled with and i'm like i, I had to figure out how it worked like it was a, yeah. it was a mystery to solve and yeah it was it was done really well so yeah and that sort of direction can kind of go either way i mean like to like when i see that sometimes if it's done wrong i can look at it and be like oh great like so he's gonna wave his hand and like this thing is gonna save him because like plot armor you know but um you know if if you can manage to create it a an awe-inspiring soft magic system that doesn't feel like it's just always going to deliver the characters from whatever peril then that can be really, really effective, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how you said plot armor there, because I feel like I like like you, I've seen I'm just gonna take like like her book, for instance. At first, I, like when a couple things are gonna happen early on, I'm like, oh no, like, but yeah, she did it really well. And I was like, oh, okay. And yeah, mm -hmm. it was it was a good exercise in how to have that balance, but still have consequences. Right. Um, but I've definitely definitely read a couple of books over the last couple of years where I'm just like, okay, I might as well just just be done. You know, I'm like, right. I know I know everybody's gonna make it through. Mm. Not really gonna be any trauma there. I'm like, I just think that with trauma, there's growth, no matter really, you know, what the you know, what the effects are. And you know, I give Will White White credit for constantly being traumatic, <laughs> um <laughs> his main characters, but also, you know, giving them real triumphs but i never know who's gonna die or who's gonna be okay or if they right. are okay you know how what sort of scars physical or otherwise they're gonna take with them i mean and that that whole journey process with being with the characters i think really adds you know that sense of danger really adds and i think that's what a lot of people you know really like game of thrones right like you didn't know who was gonna make it in the right. book or you didn't know who's gonna make it per week and you know, and I always think Steven Erickson's a lot like that. He's killed seven out of my 10 favorite characters. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> We're only halfway done with the second to last book. So I'm just like, that's oh, just unlucky. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. So yeah, it ends up being interesting, but yeah, that was a great answer. Um, so you talked a little bit about how your experience as a game master has helped you in your storytelling. Um, I'm wondering one way maybe that being a game master has hindered or hurt you, you think, or maybe slowed you down, I guess is a better word, um, in terms of maybe writing this first book. 
Yeah, just one. Um, <laughs> Give me the, big one okay. <laughs> the big one that comes to mind is um, kind of content overload, right? Mm, so that's a good one. I mean, if uh, campaigns last, I like we've only recently started tracking our sessions, and like we've been playing a campaign for not quite a year now. I think we're on session like fifteen or sixteen. And these are eight to 10 hour sessions. Yeah, that's a so, lot. Yeah. So there's a lot of content and we're not even, we're not done yet. Right. I mean, so, um, you know, making one campaign into one book um, ended up being just absolutely, I was trying to stick to the source material, right. Because the source <laughs> material is, is where my, all my joy came from. Um, but at some point I had to basically step away from this, like, almost like episodic structure where it was like, oh, this session we did this. And then this session we did that. And um, a lot of it didn't matter to the overall narrative. So um, at some point I had to learn like, well, you, you got to cut some of this stuff. You got to trim it down. You got to focus it in on one story, you know, like um, obviously you want to have, you know, multiple arcs, character arcs, story arcs kind of like coming to fruition at different times, but uh, there is, I kind of had to focus it in, I guess that was the, the biggest, the biggest problem for me. Mm. Yeah. I think that makes total sense. I feel like that would, <laughs> as somebody that started playing games, but not being a DM, but like playing games on the other side of the table. And that's why I enjoyed, you know, that's why I enjoyed writing. I wanted to keep the story going. It was very difficult to, particularly with world building to know like where to go what to show you know it, yeah it, I feel like I I did the same thing I was way too worried about overloading and then when I realized later on I was like oh I really don't need to really like it might be good to know these things as writing exercise to get warmed up but yeah a lot of this stuff isn't really relevant to the story um yeah. you know or even the world at times but it's not relevant to the characters that are going through like you know who really needs uh to hear that right now <laughs> um yeah i think uh, i did a lot of exposition rather than you know actual, mm-hmm. actual writing the info dumps were a big one obviously yeah. i i watched a a good number of brandon sanderson's like lectures and online things um one thing that kind of stuck with me is like when you're trying to build a scene make it awesome right like that was it was a really basic thing to say but like why would you hold back? I guess it's kind of like my, my instinct is to be like, make it realistic, make it what the world would be like. And then once in a while I hear Brandon Sanderson's voice in my head being like, make it awesome. And then it's like, okay, how do I make this more awesome than what it is right now? Cause right now it's just an info dump and it's boring and people are talking and, um, but yeah, I guess that's, that's one of the things about D and D is like I try you. You try to make every session important. You try to make every session exciting in its own way. But when you write it on down in a book, it it doesn't sound as exciting because it's not developing the plot. It's not developing your characters yeah. as well as it probably should. So that's when you need to cut or alter. I, as you said that, I could literally hear him because I've listened to those lectures way too many times. I could literally hear him. In his exact voice, how he says the word awesome there. <laughs> yeah. Which one? Oh, that's really funny. But he's, yeah, I agree with you. He's right. You know, I was going through and I was just telling my buddy over the weekend, um, like I said, I've been working on draft two and I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay. I'm like, two, like, two of my main characters are set. I'm like, every scene is awesome. I'm like, even, you know, I'm like, even if it's not pure action or whatever, I'm like, I got a nice blend, you know. 
I'm like, they're, they have some of the most exciting scenes I've ever written. So I'm like, they're good. It's the other characters that, you know, mm. I am really worried about now and I, I'm really working on um, because I'm like, okay, and I'm, I have to add more of a heist into my heist novel, uh, adding in a crew now um, rather than just the two main characters. And yeah, it just, I, but I, 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 same thing. I was like, is anybody going to want to read these other chapters? Right. You know, I'm like, or are they just going to skip the ones that say Satana, you know, or are they just going to go to Ajax and Mace, you know, and that's right. why I always worry, you know, so I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. And I, I think Brandon Sanderson is totally right. It's got to be awesome. Ajax, think- like the soap? Uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I just remember that scene from Deadpool. <laughs> that's awesome. I didn't even I didn't even connect that, actually. I was just watching that the other day. That's really funny. Maybe that's where I got it. I think one day I was just like, I need an interesting name to go with Mace. And I was like, I did like M-A-S-E. And I'm doing like kind of like, um, at first I was going to do one of my desert settings. I was like, I've been doing like five books in my desert setting and I was like I and then my campaign is there now too so Hmm. I end up coming up and I was like something didn't feel right and I was like okay I think it's just because I like the you know as as a game master myself I like the desert settings um again I think it's my too much Diablo too um but yeah I was like uh this is not a desert setting book and I was talking to my buddy about he goes I don't think this book is set in the right part of your world uh so we ended up like moving the entire setting but actually like really ended up helping. So yeah, some of the yeah. names made a little bit more sense and stuff with <laughs> vernacular. But yeah, I think sometimes I have my buddies like, yeah, being a game master or, you know, being experienced with a lot of different games, you know, um, he's like, it is really helpful at times for ideas. He's like, but sometimes, you know, there's, there could be too much. So yeah, yeah I definitely, I definitely agree with you there. It's, it's uh, both a, you know, a strength and a burden at the same time, if <laughs> you will. So yeah, yeah. very interesting. Uh, so what is one writing tool or strategy that you are thinking about maybe using in the future or maybe like a, a POV? I don't know. What's something that new that you want to try in the future? Writing tool, strategy? And why I remembered this that? question from our first interview and I thought, ah, I got to say something really smart this time. <laughs> um, but I, I really, uh, you know, I, I think what I talked about last time was, you know, magic systems can really make or break a story. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I'd put more effort and more thought into like the cost of magic. Right. So, um, I had this, I, I have this idea for like a, a magic system, um, where magic doesn't exist anymore. There, like, you don't channel magic from yourself. Instead, there are like vestiges of the past that magic is stored in and you can use those. Um, however, like channeling it through your body is incredibly harmful, um, uh, you know, almost sort of like Lovecraft does where, you know, you might drive yourself mad by trying to use the the spells or whatever it is. Um, but I kind of like the idea of like, you know, there were these gods and these gods were killed by mortals and now we're living in the aftermath and people don't have the ability to use magic anymore. Right. And so then they basically come across these magical artifacts and they have to try to find ways to to use them without hurting themselves or dying or whatever. Um, so I guess I just, I would just say like experimenting with, with interesting magic systems, I think could be, could be really beneficial. Um, that's the only thing I could think of, honestly, uh, to that question. <laughs> First of all, sounds awesome. <laughs> and really good answer. I asked that because sometimes people are saying what's on their minds, you know, in terms of writing, like mm-hmm. you, you know, or magic systems. some people, 
it's been a very interesting answer there. And since I asked you last, I've gotten even more of an eclectic group of answers and sure. it always really makes me think, but that one always makes me think because my magic system personally, like I'm, I'm trying to make sure, you know, I do certain things with it. And, you know, people always tell me, well, the magic's cool, but you know, and there are things they like about the system, but I always worry about that. You know, I always worry about not my magic system not being as appealing, but what you just said sounds awesome. So I really hope that that appears somewhere in your writing because I would totally, I would buy that book. I would read that book. That sounds really, really cool. And I feel like you could do so many different things there. Like, heck, you could have like an entire group of mad mages, if you will, who went mm -hmm. mad because of it, but still are able to function. And, you right. know, that just, that'd be really cool, you know? And yeah, it'd be really interesting. Yeah, you may have to stay tuned for a few years, but uh, yeah, my, my current plan is to write, you know, a six book series. Um, I've got a lot of them outlined and such. So this, for now, we're sticking with the, with what I'm currently doing, but I've got way too many other ideas. Um, hopefully I can develop those ideas while I'm working on this one. So <laughs> well, that's really cool. Well, I like the ideas, Jay, keep them coming and, you know, we'll, We'll keep buying the books. We'll keep spreading the word. You know, I mean, that's that's what we do. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to read this book, but I'm also really excited to especially see where you go later. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's just so many things that we talked about today and last time where you know really got me excited. Uh, like I said before, I you know you popped up right on my Facebook feed, and I was like, whose book is this? I'm like, why have I not seen this book or this person before? Like you know, on my Twitter or whatever. And I was like, I yep. blamed, I was blaming like the old Twitter company, whoever it was. And I was like, they need to change the algorithm back. So I was like, this is what happens when you kill the writing community on Twitter and on Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. I'm like, I miss authors with great books, you know? And mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I'm glad that Facebook has stepped it up with the sponsored ads and, you know, the like pages yep. are popping up now. How awkward was it when you realized that the reason you hadn't heard of me is because I was a nobody? <laughs> But, but I'm telling you, Jake, I'm trying to tell you guys, like, I am constantly like the only reason I go on a social media, like I'll do like, I do 15 minute runs. So I don't get too crazy lately. Yeah. Um, that's a good then, idea. Yeah. Cause I've been getting burnout. So the more burnout I get, the longer I've been on social media and I'm like, okay, I got to either read or go right. One of the two. Um, yep. you know, otherwise then I just feel more burnout the next day, but you know, I I've been, doing what my friend said, I'm so glad that I did this because this might help, you know, people in the audience, particularly readers. Um, and you popped up because of this, I guarantee. And he told me what you should do is every single time that you're seeing an author or something that you like with fantasy or sci-fi involving an author, or a book or a sponsored ad, like it, even if you don't like it. And he right. goes, you'll get so many more people. And you were probably part of like 10 different authors I got within the same day um, that I was like, Oh my gosh, like this looks amazing. And it, it was like, right when my algorithm switched, but yep. yeah, it's, but I just want to point out too, to author, you know, crowd here. It, it, I try constantly to get people on all the platforms. I mean, I am liking, I am searching, like I am looking under rocks. I am, you know, I'm about to start yep. pounding door to door, you know, to find more fantasy sci-fi horror authors. I mean, you know, if I can't, if I don't know somebody, I'm like, please refer me. And I tell people all the time, and I've gotten a lot more emails recently and messages like, hey, I really like Jake's book, you know, or I really liked him on this interview. Please talk to him or, you know, look at his book. So I just want to point out to people that the best way still is referrals. 
and you know just sending me messages because it's so hard to bust through the algorithms and if you know if I'm having trouble with my podcast or finding you guys as I'm looking everywhere I think it's just I think personally it just really shows how hard it is as an author you know to break through that wave that initial wave for social media so they yeah, don't sure. make it easy that's for sure <laughs> so usually they tag us as spam so <laughs> what it is but yeah well that's really cool I just have to say though your cover still one of my favorites that I've seen, I mean, I still really like the color. Um, you know, I really like the creature. I love the scene. It yeah. really reminds me of, you know, like classic sci-fi uh, with a twist, I would say, or sorry, fantasy with a twist. Um, yeah, yeah I, I really like it. It really makes me think like, what else is in Jake's head? <laughs> so <Yeah>. it really <laughs> makes me, you know, want to, you know, get in that book and really get in there and I'm really excited like I said to start reading that one and I'm really excited to you know see what else you're going to create so that's yeah. awesome yeah um, no I was I mean when I saw my book cover when I, I commissioned an artist for it and when it came back to me I was like oh like that is not what I had in mind but that is awesome yeah 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 I showed it to a couple of buddies of mine they're like what's that guy's name I was like Jake Redenall I was like it's spelled like this and I was like you know during the cosmos they're like okay so Got a couple for you there. So hey, yeah. there we go. Yeah, we'll keep it going. <laughs> All right, Jake. Well, we'll go with that last one there. Do you have any news, updates, promos, current projects, anything like that that you're currently working on that you can share with us? So uh, I mentioned that I'm doing, you know, a six book series. Uh, I, I'm going to do them. It doesn't matter like how long it takes me or, you know, how much money I make. I'm not here to make money. I'm just doing this for fun. It's for myself. Um, so book two, I'm, I'm really hammering into it where I'm talking to basically like my alpha and beta readers and, um, stuff is, is getting pretty close. I'm, I'm aiming for an early next year release. I'm hoping oh, cool. February or March. Um, oh, wow. it'd be nice to have it out by the time this video comes out, but I doubt that. Yeah. Um, so I guess stay tuned for that information. I mean, I, you know, basically I'm because of how scatterbrained I am it kind of works like once my, I normally get finished with the following book before I'm done editing my previous book, if that makes sense. So totally, book yeah. two was, was done before I finished editing book one. And that's the same thing. So book three is actually typed. Uh, book four is started. Uh, book two is in all the, all the stages of we're currently, like I said, alpha beta reading. And then we're doing after that, it'll be editing and the edits will go pretty quick I think uh, hopefully uh, you know fingers crossed but yeah so my my hope is to pump out um, that content and kind of get it going I've been talking to my I got a new artist um, for this next book and I'm oh. pretty excited about that so I guess uh, stay tuned I, I suppose I don't know yeah, yeah yeah well that's awesome that's that's a lot right there so that's that's amazing yeah I've, I've never had problems getting words on page you know it's um a lot of people get the writer's block. I, I think my problem ends up being more of like, I get too many words on the page. Um, yeah. The writer's flood. Yep. 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 It's the other, the other side of that coin, but yep. Yep. the positive is if I can, I can just switch projects and keep typing. So. Yeah. Yep. I find when I don't, I find when I don't do that, you know, and yeah, I find when I don't do that, I don't get anything done. Yep. Yeah, I find if I just keep working, you know, it might take me a couple of days or weeks, but I'll just go back to the thing and, you know, whatever I was working. I feel like it gives me more synergy that way. 
yeah. feel like otherwise I just feel lazy. And like, I, like recently I was sick and stuff and I stopped working. I had some personal things go on, like family um, health crises and stuff. So I, I just was been, I've been thrown off and now we got the baby coming. So I've been trying not to, you know, gas myself out, but yeah, yeah. I just, I stopped and I'm like, well, now it's hard every time it's hard to get, you know, start back up again. So I think especially once my son gets here, I'm like, I ain't stopping for no one. I was like, it doesn't matter if it's two writing sprints a day where it's at, could yeah. do it on crayon on the wall, you know, like it's going to get done. So yeah. yeah I don't understand that. <laughs> well, that's really exciting, Jake. Um, yeah. Like I said, you know, before, like if there's anything that we can do at all, you know, to help you out, um, I will be um, sending out um, some topics for seminars um, mm. that uh, in our newsletter. Um, so like I said, I'll be sending that email out. Um, sorry, sorry, fans. It's only news. It's a newsletter for we're gonna do a separate one for you guys. It's going to be a newsletter for alumni of the podcast. Uh, so that way authors will keep coming back to us and do really cool things. Uh, it's a way for us to help them out um, with some different things. So we'll be sharing that news with you guys in different avenues. Uh, from these different authors. Um, but like I said, you know, if there's anything I can do, you know, around that or, you know, in the spring or whatever, you know, just let me know. I am going to be um, taking tentative dates um, for the spring uh, for season three that'll come out after Labor Day weekend. So we're hoping to have, you know, quite a few things um, this summer, like early spring through the summer, um, you know, um, recorded and stuff like we did this year. Uh, yeah. That would kind of stay ahead. I'll be releasing in the fall. So, um like late fall so with a couple of things couple of books a couple of novellas so yeah so but yeah Busy. let me know you know yeah yeah trying I, I just want I just have this like I just want my son when he's actually able to understand what's going on be like my dad's an author <laughs> like my dad's an author. like <laughs> like my buddy and I we just have this great idea we're just like in our heads we just like want to take in the comic cons with us and stuff dress up do whatever <laughs> you know we want to like rub elbows with you and all the other authors you know we just I just think that'd be you know, such a cool way to grow up personally. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just, I always get jealous of Jim Butcher and his son. So yeah, we're hoping that uh, we can try and, you know, speed that along a little bit, if you will. But, yeah, there you go. Don't worry, Jake, we'll let him write what he wants to write. Doesn't have to be fantasy. But <laughs> All right, remember, Jake. you know, it's, you know, he's not born yet. You could still go with Jake. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go upstairs right now. I'll talk to my wife. We'll see what she has to say. So <laughs> wins though so we'll see what she says but <laughs> but yeah jake if there's anything i can do at all my friend you just hit me up on social media hit me up on facebook email me i'm here find me and you know i'll help you out as best i can absolutely perfect well well jake have a great rest of the night and i'm sure i'll talk to you soon i'll be sending you an email by next sunday and we'll get this going for you awesome thanks a lot man perfect have a good one jake yeah you too buddy see you